Hello everyone, welcome to God Talk with Tara. This is Tara. We are going to start as always with prayer and then move on from there. Father God, thank you that you speak, that you pour yourself out into your world and you call your people, that there is a continuing call that you place in your people's hearts that draws them to you, Father God, and allows them to speak your word so that others may be drawn to you as well. Father, I pray tonight that you would make me small, that you would magnify yourself, that you would magnify Jesus Christ to that as I speak and as those who are listening here, Father God, that you would speak wonders of who you are, of the majesty of Jesus, of the hope and the light and the deliverance that he has come to bring. Father, we are blessed by your presence. We are blessed by your word. We are blessed by your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray that you would keep us all tuned in to you tonight. I ask this in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory. Um, so thank you guys for hanging with me after me being gone for uh, several days. I was really going to try to push through and do this every night while I was on, on vacation. And the first night was so disastrous that I really listened when God seemed to tell me that it was not necessary to continue to push through. Um, I do think, however, I need to make plans for what to do the next time I'm out of town because on the one hand, I believe that these are primarily an act of obedience on my part and I'm not actually sure how many people may or may not hear them in the long run. But I also believe that the Lord is building something with this and I know a little something about how these kinds of things build and Typically, we are creatures of habit. Oh my, Lord is so funny. Um, so that's a topic that I actually am going to be speaking about tonight. But we are creatures of habit. We develop a habit of what we watch and what we listen to and what we read and how we spend our time. And because we do that, when the Lord is speaking to his children, he oftentimes will use things that we can develop the habit of listening to. So I don't want to disrupt the podcast any more than necessary when things come up that the Lord calls me off to do. Like in May, I will be going to Cuba for probably a week on a mission trip. Um, I've never done that before, so it should be exciting and fun. Um, and the reality is, is I am not entirely sure what I should do with the podcast because while I, this last week I've been in Georgia, that will not be the case then. And I don't imagine that cell phone service is going to be that great and that I will be able to just manage that while I'm out of town. So I think I either need to find a guest host for the days when I will not be here, or I just need to broadcast well in advance that we're going to be taking a a couple days off or a week off or I need to record ahead if God will give me words ahead, which I'm not entirely confident he will do. Um, although I suppose if he wants me to record ahead, he certainly can. So prayers from all of you who are listening, prayers for wisdom going forward and how to handle this, because I also know that the coming months are going to become busy, that there are things that the Lord will be calling me to do. And as I do them, I want to be sure to be faithful to the responsibilities he's given me 
even as I am faithful to the things he calls me to. And I know that he is able to keep all those things balanced. Um, so I trust that he will, but I would still appreciate your prayers. So tonight, as I was contemplating what I should talk about, because I have been gone for the last several days, and I was thinking about it because it's Saturday. Tomorrow I'm going to be taking off because it's Sunday, and I'll be back to the normal schedule on Monday. I was like, well, should I just wait and not do one tonight? Because it symmetrically would have made more sense to me to have a week's worth not done. Um, and as the night drew longer, I was still wondering if I really needed to say anything because the Lord has been whispering to me today, but he has not been yelling particularly loudly. And I wasn't sure what it was he wanted me to talk about, but I keep coming back to what I have been reading today for the assignment, one of the assignments I was doing earlier on. So I've been catching up. I'm a little behind still from going to Kentucky and then on the heels of that going to Georgia. One of the things that I've been doing for one of my apologetics class are reflection papers. We've been working our way through St. Augustine's Confessions. I've never read that before, and it's actually been kind of interesting. I've been enjoying having a good reason uh, to read one of the church fathers. I have a hard time reading the the older books without a good reason to read them. The, the language is a little archaic, and it tends to make me a little um, drowsy. And that is just a symptom of my attention span, I think, getting shorter as I've gotten older. But I have never really liked books like that, um, that are in older English, typically speaking, and or translated from another language into an older sounding English. I don't like Shakespeare that much. I love the plays. I love the, but the reading of Shakespeare is, is kind of hard because it's that old English. Um, I don't really like the King James version of the Bible for the same reason. And this is sort of a little bit of a tangent. I imagine God will bring it back later, but I have been reading Augustine's Confession partly again, because I'm in the habit of doing my homework. And as I do my homework, I can read things that otherwise I might not normally. And one of the things that Confessions is kind of interesting is Augustine is known as one of the great fathers of the Christian faith. He was very early in the Catholic Church. It was kind of before... Um, Oftentimes today, at least in the Western world, when we think of the Catholic Church, we think of a very corrupt institution that, you know, was filled with bad things and a pope that wears funny hats. And that's really the extent of our understanding of Catholicism. But if you go back in history, Catholicism was the church that came out of um, Peter and Paul's ministry and James and the other apostles that that church was the original church that eventually developed into what we now know as the Catholic Church. Catholic just means universal. So like when we say the Apostles' Creed, for those of you who, who know what that is, and if you don't know what that is, you really ought to go look it up. Um, when we say the Apostles' Creed, one of the things we reference or believe in is the, the Holy Catholic Church 
church. And I have to tell you, when I first heard the creed, I wouldn't say that line because I didn't believe in Catholicism and I didn't understand what it meant. But the word Catholic simply means universal. And so the Catholic church got that name because it meant the universal body of Christ. It was the overall body of Christ that was the Catholic church. And Augustine of Hippo was coming out of the Catholic church. And so he was very, very early in, in the church's history. Um, let's see, this is that he was born in Thagestay in North Africa in 354 AD. Um, so he eventually became the Archbishop of Hippo. And he wrote a lot of the early teachings of the church. He was one of the first to develop a, a real theology. His City of God is the other one besides confessions that I've heard of as um, very important in theological understanding. And so it's good to read the early fathers. And as I'm reading this, it's interesting because confessions is exactly that. It is it is Augustine's confessions, at least in the early parts, of his wickedness and sinfulness. And as I'm reading this and we're reflecting on the, the various chapters um, for assignments, I look at it and I'm like, wow, this guy was really down on himself for some things that looked at from my perspective and from the perspective of most modern Christians didn't seem that bad. And making that statement tells me just how broken our understanding is of, of sin and its effects and how important it is for us to read people like Augustine and the early church fathers because they had a much better understanding, I think, of sin. Because you got to understand, as I'm reading Augustine, it's not simply that he is confessing guilt for the sake of being guilty. That's not at all what he's doing. His confession, he's very, very clear in multiple places that the point of his confession is not to draw guilt on himself or to make himself feel ashamed, but to utilize the journey that he was on from the time that he was very young and very smart. And this is the, the thing with Augustine. He was a brilliant scholar prior to becoming a Christian. He was a brilliant philosopher and teacher of literature. He was a brilliant man. And so reading this, you see how it's relevant to our day when it's hard for people to move past their brains sometimes. And that was sort of the point of Augustine was to explain how faith didn't cancel out his reason, but overcame his pride in his own mind and overcame his desires um, to go his own way and drew him to surrender to God. And that as it did, God freed him from the sins that he had been held by. And so this is this week's, uh, what we were reading about was Augustine's epiphany, where he finally, I would say converted is, I mean, it's what we would call a conversion story, where he finally transitioned from knowing about God 
and believing that God was and that Jesus was the Savior and the Son of God and that he had been crucified, died, resurrected, um, all of those things. He believed all of those things in his head, but it had no effect upon his life. So he began finally to jettison his false beliefs in Manichaean teaching and um, he began to jettison his false beliefs in Platonic teaching so that the Manichees were a heretical sect of Christians and the Platonists were people who followed Plato's teachings about there being a higher forms in the world. So there was, there was morals and there was um, virtues that existed outside of humanity that were somehow more real than the world that we're in. Um, and it taught little bits and pieces of what we as Christians would recognize as truth, but they were deeply distorted. And they did not ever come around to Jesus and God. And so because of that, they were a, a partial look, but they were not the truth. And so Augustine had studied all of these various philosophical teachings that were available in the Greco-Roman world, which were a lot. I mean, there's a lot of that. Um, and basically he knew who Jesus was, but these habits of thought that he had developed kept drawing him away. And there were other habits and that's sort of where he's at today. And that's actually what I kind of wanted to talk about today. So as he's talking about his conversion experience, what caught my attention and what keeps drawing me back to this was a line where he talks about, he says, my thoughts as I meditated upon you were like the efforts of a man who tries to wake but cannot and sinks back into the depths of slumber. No one wants to sleep forever for everyone rightly ag agrees that it is better to be awake. Yet a man often staves off the effort to rouse himself when his body is leaden with inertia. He is glad to settle down once more, although it is against his better judgment and it is already time he were up and about. In the same way, I was quite sure that it was better for me to give myself up to your love than to surrender to my own lust. But while I wanted to follow the first course and was convinced that it was right, I was still a slave to the pleasures of the second. I had no answer to make when you said, Awake, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. You used all my means, or all means, to prove the truth of your words, and now that I was convinced that they were true, the only answers I could give were the drowsy words of an idler. Soon, presently, let me wait a little longer. Uh, for the rule of sin is the force of habit by which the mind is swept along and held fast, even against its will. So what drew my attention was the awake sleeper, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead. Now, the reason that this caught my eye today as I was getting ready to write was because this is part of the the bands that we have um, in Seedbed that they've been teaching for quite some time. Uh, but for the last couple of years, I've actually participated in a band with a couple of other ladies uh, over Zoom. And it is part of JD's 
encouragement to us in most of his daily texts at the top. In fact, I think it may be part of the header now in the emails. It says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And then when we would do it as part of Zoom, back when we were doing the awakening, Awakened Life course, he would say, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And then he would say, your turn. And we would all respond, and Christ will shine on you. Now, this has become a habit. I have this, this verse we read with one another at least once a week in my band meetings, but it comes up in other places and it is a habit. So when my, my son Kenny and I will do devotions in the morning and we, we were reading uh, the wake up call from Seedbed, he would read at the beginning, awake, O sleeper and rise from the dead. And I would respond and Christ will shine on you. We've developed this habit of praying, awakening over one another and reminding ourselves of the promise that comes from awakening. So we're encouraging one another to awaken. This has become a daily habit with us that we encourage, encourage one another to awaken with the promise that as we awaken and we rise from the dead, that Christ will shine on you. So I went to go look at the, the verses because what God kept telling me tonight is I was supposed to talk about habit. And that verse is not really about habit, or so I thought. Uh, I was wrong. So I came back to Ephesians to read the context. And it was stunning how God works. So we're going to back up a little bit. This is out of Ephesians 5. And we're going to look at, I'm guessing it starts in probably verse 3. I don't have my verse numbers up right now. And it's a little bit of a long passage, but this is actually the only passage we're going to look at tonight. So bear with me, and then we're going to talk about why. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible." For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're going to stop there um, because this is really kind of the message of tonight. One of the reasons why I was able to come back and do this tonight is because God is developing a habit of me being able to come and do this each night. So even when that habit gets broken for a brief time, I will be able to come back to doing this and hearing God speak to me. Now, I haven't been doing this long enough that that wasn't a struggle. I'll be honest, my reflexive feeling tonight when I looked at the, the clock and realized that it was past my normal time for doing this and it's been a long day and I have to get up early was that I should just go to bed and skip it. That it would make much more sense for me to take a full week off and not try to do one tonight. And yet the Lord had already put something in my mind. He had already told me that I should be speaking to you of habit tonight and that I should be looking up this verse and that I needed to come to do this. And because he has been building a habit of obedience in me for far longer than he has been building the habit of doing this, I am able to not be drawn off by the bad habit of not listening to him when he speaks. But the truth is we all have bad habits. God builds habit in us for a reason. We are creatures of habit and there's good reason for that because the Lord uses our ability to develop habits to make it so that we are able to respond appropriately to circumstances when there is not a lot of time for thought or when we are at weak points. So we've been looking at Jesus in the desert for the last several days um, on the wake-up call with Jesus's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days when the devil comes to tempt him, and his response is habitual. You don't get this long pause in this vision of Jesus struggling deeply with his hunger, you get an immediate response to the devil that says, no, I'm going to do as the Lord calls me to do. And the reason for that is Jesus has spent 30 years developing the habit of listening to the Lord. He has spent 30 years developing the habit of being in connection with his father. And so as the, the Holy Spirit settles on him and that direct connection is established and he has just spent 40 days in the desert in direct communion with his father paying no attention to his bodily needs but focused on that relationship and focused on the presence of God he finds himself in a situation where he has developed the habit of obedience he has developed the habit of drawing on the word of God when he finds himself faced with temptation or difficulty or trials God does this for us he builds in us the ability to form habits but just as with any other thing that he gives us we also have the ability to utilize that beautiful tool of habits for something not godly in our broken and fallen nature, we will develop bad habits. 
We might develop the habit of scrolling on Facebook. We might develop the habit of drinking too much or smoking too much or smoking at all or um, eating too much or saying naughty things. And this is really what caught me when I was looking at, at this passage. It begins by speaking of sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness. But it moves immediately from there, sandwiched between the next admonition against sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness. He, he puts this line in there that says, No filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And all I could think is, how hard do I fight against the habit of bad language? Now, most of the time these days, I don't struggle as much as I used to with, foul, with bad language, and I don't really struggle with filthy talk or crude jokes, but there was a time when that was a very normal part of my life. I grew up in the Navy. My dad was a sailor. My dad actually managed to control his tongue very well for the most part at home. It was not something that he particularly exposed us to. But as a teenager growing up, I had friends whose fathers were in the Navy and were not necessarily so careful about how they spoke around their children. And I hung around with sailors who were not at all careful when they were, you know, talking about things in the company of their friends. So I grew up with a lot of exposure to foolish talk and crude joking. That was a very normal part of my life as a teenager and a young adult. Um, my first husband, was in the Navy. And so that continued on and the language got worse and worse, even when I had young children initially. Um, when my first husband and I split up and I married the second time, he had also grown up in the Navy and there were mm, other things that drove the foolish talk and crude joking and bad language and filthiness. And so for years, probably 15 years of my life, maybe more, I was deeply steeped in these things that Paul admonishes us not to do. That he tells us that there should be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. And so when I finally came out of that second marriage that was abusive um, in a different way than the first had been. I was trying very hard to leave behind those habits of thought and um, habits of, of talking and crude joking is a particular one that, that gets me because that is one that still sneaks up pretty frequently. Um, Foolish talk is another one. I don't I don't know exactly what Paul means there, but at the same time I can think of things that are probably better not said, and yet they slide out sometimes. And for the most part, 
these habits of thought and, and speech have left me and I don't do these things as much. And most of the other habits that I have done have also left me. And I found that the Lord fills my mouth with other kinds of words and he fills my heart and mind with other kinds of thoughts. And so I'm usually not struggling too much to steer clear of these things of darkness that Paul says are no longer appropriate because we are now light in the Lord. But now and then what I find myself doing is I will go someplace with people who are not believers. And for the most part, I'm still pretty good at keeping myself from falling back into those patterns. But now and then I will indulge without meaning to. So we will watch television and or watch a movie and the language will be less than stellar and I don't turn it off like I normally would because I'm hanging out with people who it doesn't bother them. And in reality, it doesn't bother me. There have been times where it does, but right now it doesn't bother me. Um, and after a little while, what happens is because I'm listening to those things and I'm leaving myself open to those things, my brain trips back over into the habits that it once had. And I find that a little disturbing. I will be honest with you. I find it very disturbing that my brain is that easily tripped back into those kinds of habits. They're easy enough to break. Once I recognize that I've slid there, they're easy enough to break because they're not deeply held habits anymore. But the fact that they slide back so comfortably into my mind after all of these years is a little concerning to me because it tells me that I need Jesus daily. And I guess maybe that's not a bad thing for me to understand. I think the concern comes from there are days when I don't realize I need Jesus daily. Sometimes I think to myself, hey, I'm doing really good with this whole walking with God thing. I got this. And Jesus is right there and it's all good. And next thing I know, I'm sliding down the hill pretty fast because I forgot that I need Jesus deeply daily. So maybe it's a good thing that I have found myself stumbling a little this last few days because I have been indulging. And in that indulgence, there's been um, an opening for the devil to slide into some of those bad habits. And I will talk to God about that and ask that he would help me with that. And it's funny because I was reading an article about um, a response to the awakening stuff from a Orthodox perspective, which is the other Catholic church. And they were talking about how monasticism is the answer to our craving for awakening, that if we would practice monasticism, then we would find that we were constantly in the presence of God. And I think that's not entirely wrong because one of the, I don't, I don't think we practice it the same way as the Orthodox do, but Seedbed, for as long as I have been participating with them, has promoted monastic practices and Methodism does promote 
what they were referring to when they talked about monasticism in the context of not of monks, but of people living their lives, where it was a focus on things like fasting and prayer and reading scripture and liturgical worship in the home. And, and the reality is, is as a community, Wesleyans put a lot of emphasis on things like fasting and prayer and scripture reading regularly, like daily, doing these things, spending our time in service. Wesley called them the means of grace, and there were private and public or private and corporate means of grace, personal and corporate, however you want to put it, where some of them were internally that you do on your own where you're studying scripture and you're praying and you're fasting. And then there are other corporate type things where you are worshiping together and you're serving one another, you're, you're helping the poor. And all of these were the means to draw near to God. So you're, oh, I wish I had them in front of me. Um, the Lord's Supper was one of them as well. And reading the word of God together was another. And so you have all of these things that draw us near to God that are means of grace that you find in scripture that Jesus practiced or the apostles practiced or um, was patterned in the Old Testament for, for those that were leaders. And it's important for us to practice these various things. But I think the problem with the monastic life that we think of, and even in the way it's described there, is that we're not actually supposed to come out of the world. And I think that's where we struggle with this that, that Paul is talking about here is we're not actually supposed to come out of the world. Jesus, Jesus asked in his high priestly prayer, not that God would take us out of the world, but that he would deliver us from evil. Because God, God left us here as a witness to him in the world. It's necessary for us to be able to walk in the world in the strength of our spiritual habits, in the strength of our habit of relying on Jesus Christ, in the strength of our habit of obedience to God. When he says, no, you need to stop doing that thing, our immediate response needs to be obedience, but we have to exercise that. We have to exercise the habits that he has given us to help us be reliant on him. I struggle with prayer and with fasting. I'll be honest with you. It's not something that I find commanded in scripture in the New Testament for, for disciples. Prayer is. Don't hear that wrong. Um, when I reference prayer, I mean that whole quiet time thing where you have an hour set aside in the morning to read your Bible and pray and um, and you fast once a week and you, these are things that I don't find commanded in scripture. And I struggle with them because of that. Not that they're not present in various places in scripture, but that Jesus said that his disciples didn't fast because the bridegroom was with them and soon the bridegroom would go and then there would be mourning. But then he also said their mourning was going to turn to joy because he came back and was resurrected. And then he said he would never leave them or forsake them. So the bridegroom is with us. Why would we fast? These are the kind of things that my brain does. <laughs> scripture. And so I struggle with these things, 
But when I understand these things as habit, in other words, monasticism, from my perspective, is not the right answer because it takes us out of the world. It takes us into a withdrawing state. It turns us inward to look internally and it cuts us off from the outward so frequently, at least in our modern understanding. That may not be the way it's practiced in the Orthodox Church. Please don't hear me wrong. I'm not condemning that. But I am saying that Augustine, I'm pretty sure, became a monk. And I know that most of the monastic practices are things like vows of silence, and they are in monasteries or convents for, for the nuns, and they're separated they're separated from the world. And we as Christians are not called to be separated from the world. We are called to be walking into the world to draw people out of it. In other words, we're called to be who Jesus was. And Jesus went where people were dying in sin. He did not hide in the temple. He could have, but he did not hide in the temple in Jerusalem. He went all around the countryside to where people needed him. And he calls us to do that same thing. And so monasticism in that sense is not where we're supposed to be. But at the same time, those practices, I think, are necessary, not because Bible the, the Bible commands them per se, but because the Bible demonstrates them to us as the means of building the habit that Jesus had of being obedient to his father, the habit of being connected to the Lord, the habit of prayer constantly, the habit of listening to the Holy Spirit and being led by him wherever he led, including into the wilderness. We need to build those habits. And I think the only real way of doing that is to practice them. So if we're going to practice listening to the Holy Spirit, we need to sit still and practice listening to the Holy Spirit. If we're going to practice being able to speak the word of God into whatever situation comes to us, we need to read our word of God and understand our Bible. If we need to, if, practice bringing everything we are before the Lord and going to him when we are having troubles, then we need to be praying to him all the time, not just in the troubles. So the habit is built that we are talking to God all the time. And we need to build the habit of thanksgiving and of building each other up and addressing each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody to the Lord with our heart and giving thanks always because this builds a habit of those things in us that when we find ourselves in situations where foolish talk wants to pop back out of our mouth because that used to be our habit or when grumbling and complaining wants to pop out of our mouth because that used to be our habit when we find ourselves in positions where we want to cuss and say bad words or we want to be filthy in, in how we're speaking or we want to be critical and tearing people down, which is a different passage that we're not supposed to do those things. We've built a habit of addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord and giving thanks always and for everything. Once you have that habit, 
when you feel those other habits popping up, they've lost their power. And that was the other thing that Augustine came to is they've lost their power. They might still whisper there in the back of your head, but the habits of God are drawing you onward. They're drawing you towards Christ. They're drawing you away from the hold that sin holds in your heart still so that you're no longer being tossed to and fro, but that instead you are walking in the light and the Lord is working toward your perfection. So I think I'm going to stop there for tonight and we're going to pray real quick. Um, this already went longer than I was expecting. So thank you, God, for having lots to say. Um, and we'll come back on Monday. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for giving us the admonition to replace bad habits with your habits, Father, with your desires to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to you, Father, to always be giving thanks. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to remember that every time we want to slide into the worldly conversations. Lord, I pray that we would be present in those conversations. I don't pray that we wouldn't have them. Lord, I pray you would bring us constantly into conversations with worldly people who need to hear from you. But I pray, Lord, that you would give us the means to speak light into those conversations to mm, expose the unfruitful works of darkness through the light of Christ, not through embarrassment or condemnation or, or poking fun or any of those things, Lord God, but by speaking the beauty of who you are, by singing songs of praise and speaking in psalms that, that show your love and your majesty and your grace and that shine your light. Father, help us to do that. Help us to love people well enough to have the confidence to do that, Lord God. And give us your words when we find ourselves in those conversations, Lord. As we pray for those opportunities to speak your light to people, we ask, Lord God, that you would give us your words and that you would remind us, Father, that we need Jesus every day to be able to have those conversations well, to be able to have those interactions well. So help us to be reliant on you and obedient, Father. Develop the habits of obedience in us. We thank you, Lord, for all you are and all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.